Good morning. <laughs> that scared me. <laughs> Let us pray. Gracious God, we come here today, quiet in us, all those voices calling for our attention. Help us to be here in this moment. Help us to be present in this space. Open our hearts to your words. Open our hearts to your urgings. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So when you have to preach on a whole book, there's a bunch of Scripture, so I'm going to read for a while. Okay. From Daniel, first chapter, 1 through 4. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord let Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power as well as some of the vessels of the house of God. These he brought back to the land of Shinar and placed the vessels in the treasury of his gods. The king commanded his palace master Ashpenaz, Ashpenaz to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and of the nobility, young men without physical defect and handsome versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight and competent to serve in the king's palace. And they were taught the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Chapter 2. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, from whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will give the king the interpretation. And Arioch quickly, quickly went to Dan, brought. Let's just start that sentence over. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, "I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who can tell the king the interpretation." The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, or something close to that. Are you able to tell me the dream I have seen in its interpretation? And Daniel said to the king, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or diviners can show the king the mystery that the king is asking. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has disclosed to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen at the end of the days. The Nebuchadnezzar, oh, now we're all the way on chapter 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. So they brought those men before King Nebuchadnezzar and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and you do not worship the golden statue which I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, heart, drum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue I have made well and good, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. We've skipped ahead a little bit. And he said to the counselors, was it not three men that we threw into the fire? They answered the king, true, O king. He replied, but I see four men unbound walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt and the fourth has the appearance of God. Now on chapter 6. So the presidents and the satraps conspired and came to the king and said, O king Darius, live forever. 
All the presidents of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict, interdict that whoever prays to anyone divine or human for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and interdict. Skipping ahead again a little bit. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, so they would not hurt me. Because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. This is the word of our Lord. So I'm really happy to be here again. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, this is awesome here. The, uh, at the early service, we actually broke into singing about uh, the Sound of Music songs. It was awesome. <laughs> that absolutely did not happen. Um, to the dads out there, happy Father's Day. I think all the dads that let, should raise their hands. Right on, dads. Okay, good job. So today we're on the book of Daniel, and this biblical count of the prophet named Daniel begins as he and other young men from Judah were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And again, this is about 600 years before Christ. And during this time, Daniel worked his way up and served in prominent positions in in the governments of several different rulers, including Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and Darius and Cyrus. And uh, I apologize for my pronunciations on a lot of those things. But by any modern standard, Daniel had a tough life. His homeland was conquered and his people were taken hostage. His life had been threatened over and over again. And the astonishing thing to me in this book is how Daniel remained faithful through all of it. How was was Daniel able to be faithful in the face of all these trials in his life? And this morning, I want to talk about dealing with trials in our lives. See, God never promises that we're not going to have tough days. And the whole book of Daniel is about facing fears and trials and still standing strong. So when we start out, the Israelites are in captivity in Babylon. And the Babylonian rulers have conquered them and taken them into slavery. And Nebuchadnezzar is the king And the only thing bigger than the king is the ego of the king. And he believes that he's bigger than any god. In this Babylonian society, they had a whole bunch of gods, but Daniel 
Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they worship the one true God of Israel. And they know that for them, that God is the only God. And in the introduction of the book of Daniel, we learn that these men are living in Babylon and they're talented, hardworking men. And it says they're showing great aptitude in every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. They were to be trained for three years and then enter the king's service, and they were given Babylonian names. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he changed his name to Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar-ish, something like that. And to Hananiah, he called him Shadrach. And to Mishael, he called him Meshach. And to Azariah, the new name Abednego. Now, Daniel's name means God is my judge. But his new name means Baal, protect the king. And Hananiah's name means God who is gracious. However, his Babylonian name means the command of the moon god. And Mishael means who is like God. But he was renamed after a Babylonian god. So their Hebrew names are rooted in this understanding of who they are and the God of Israel. And their Babylonian names are changed to reflect this Babylonian belief in God. See, the king is trying to change and shape them into this Babylonian culture. But even then, these Hebrew men stay strong to who they are and to their faith. See, they have a foundation and they have a relationship with the God of the universe. And they know that living in this foreign land, it's going to test them. It's going to test their faith. And they're smart and they're good looking and they earn the respect of their captors. But this faith they have in the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac make them the target of other officials who serve the Lord. Or, sorry, serve the king. And this is what happens to Daniel and his friends. In chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar makes this huge gold statue of himself. Ninety feet high and nine feet wide. And his officials advise him, You know, it would be a good idea if every day people should bow down and worship the image of gold that you've set up. And so they come up with this plan where they play this certain music and everybody is supposed to fall down and worship immediately this new statue. And anyone who doesn't do this is going to be thrown into a furnace. And the fire is about to come both figuratively and literally. And Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are about to face that fire. Their faith is about to be tested. And when the times of trial, times of fire come, then we discover our foundation, whose we are. See, fire, I believe, is any situation that's out of our control. It might be our health. It might be circumstances involving our kids. It might be finances. It might be circumstances in life that we just can't control. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face this type of situation. They have no control over what the king does. But they do have a choice. They have a choice of how they're going to respond to this thing that's happened in their lives. And so when the music plays and everyone else bows down, they don't. Because they know the God they serve and they refuse to bow down to this statue. 
And so these envious men, people envious of these Hebrew men, bring the news of their refusal to King Nebuchadnezzar. And although the king has already, like, um, has respect for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he flies into a rage because they've defied him. And he has them brought in and he asks, is it really true? Is it true that you will not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set up? And he gives them a second chance and he says, if you don't do it, if you don't worship this image, you will be immediately thrown into the fiery furnace. And then what God will be able to save you from my hand? And what was their reply? O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your hand, O king, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship your image of gold that you've set up. And furious Nebuchadnezzar commands that the furnace be heated seven times normal. And it's so hot that the guys who take the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire are killed because the flames are so hot. And then when Nebuchadnezzar comes down and he looks into the furnace, he sees four men in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the scripture says, the fourth looks like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar calls to the Hebrew men to come out of the furnace, and he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out. And he praises Yahweh, and he makes a decree that anyone who says anything against God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, will be punished. Nebuchadnezzar himself says, there's no other God who can rescue like this. But see, all this started with this foundation of faith. And I love my favorite part. I love this response. Our God is able to save us, but even if He doesn't, we're not going to serve your God. And later in the book, Daniel demonstrates his faith by praying to God, even though he knows what he's doing will endanger his life. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed that no one could petition God or man except the king for 30 days, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since his early days. See, Daniel's faithfulness to God landed him in a lion's den where his detractors were sure that he's going to get eaten. But God, like the lion in this morning, um, the monkey, but God sent an angel that shut the lion's mouth. And Daniel was miraculously spared. Now, we all have lion's den and fiery furnace kinds of moments in our lives. You know, the ones where those relationships get broken, the ones where a mother of three is diagnosed with a brain tumor, Your child is diagnosed with bipolar or autism. Your investment firm goes bankrupt and your IRA and retirement are gone. You've been downsized or outsized. I mean, out there, bad stuff happens to us. It's tough. And bad things happen to us in life that can make it easy for us to give up on our faith. 
to give up on a loving God, to give up on hope. There's an old saying that says, life is 10% events and 90% my response to those events. And each person, of course, reacts and copes differently. You know, some of us keep to ourselves and bottle it all up and get crazy. Some try to work through it and put on their big boy pants, take care of the situation. Some of us give up on our faith. Some of us turn to the people around us. And some of us just have to give up and surrender and accept the fact that God loves us and that God wants what's best for us. God is on our side. That's what we need to surrender to. We need to surrender to the fact that the universe is conspiring to do us good. And once we surrender to God's love like Daniel, we can, no matter what happens, stand among the lions or walk around in the furnace and come out unscathed. See, that's what God's calling us to, to have courage and strength and faith. And honestly, my lion's dens may look a lot different than yours, but we all have them. And life being what life is, there will always be something that compels us to either, to either walk in faith or to run in fear. Everyone endures moments of crisis, times when standing before our open windows as Daniel did and praying to our God as Daniel did, then we're driven to call upon the faithfulness of God to encourage and strengthen and increase our faith. And how we survive the lion's dens and furnaces in our own lives depends a lot on whom we turn to in our time of need. And honestly, this spring has been a little tough for me and my family. In March, the company that I weren't worked for went through a reduction in force. That's a word we use now, reduction in force. And I was left looking for a job. And of course, the first thing you do is you panic. We're, we're going to lose the house, we're going to lose the cars, we're all going to starve to death and be on the streets. However, I live with a wonderfully wise woman, and she said, God has never, ever let us down. Not once. Everything is going to work out exactly as it's supposed to. And within a couple of days, I had a new offer from a new company, and now I'm happier, and every, you, know, you know the story. And one month ago yesterday, May 20th, my cell phone rang at 5.12 in the morning, and it was my big brother telling me that my poor old mama had finally passed away. And at that moment, I could feel the gates of the lion's den shutting around me. And I knew the heat of that seven times furnace, what it felt like. And again, I was reminded of God's love. God intervened on my behalf. I remembered God's assurance that things aren't going according to my plan. They're going according to God's plan. And everything was going to be exactly as it's supposed to. See, I've had to surrender to the fact that God loves me. And there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. I have to give up and believe and just accept that I am a child of God. 
And that changes the way I do everything in my day. And Daniel knew that he was a child of God. And he also knew that he had to put his faith in God. And that is how Daniel lived. And there's his hope. And coming out of that lion's den, Daniel was happy, joyful, and free. See, God had promised his protection, and God had fulfilled his promise. God had delivered his faithful one. But the cool thing is, if Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego hadn't survived the blows of their life, they were prepared to have a new hope and a new existence. His God hadn't and wouldn't lead him in the abyss. Because Christ taught us by his actions on the cross that even death can be redeemed. And we may not see this hope in those dark moments of our lives. And I can imagine that Daniel walking towards the lion den was a little worried, promise. But in the end, God's truth and God's love won out, and it will every single time. And Daniel's faith was justified. And we live out there, outside those doors. And the people out there say, you have no reason for faith. And it's silly and it's superstition and you're, what? Well, I don't get it. There's no hope. The world's going to, uh, I don't know where we're going, but we're in a handbasket. But God has told us to trust, to believe that God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And at the time this story was written, it held a message for those whose lives were constantly in danger. It was a message of hope to people who had almost forgotten what they had to hope for. It reminded them that God's grace delivers, saves, heals, restores, and redeems. And so many years later, this story has a message for us. We turn on the TV and we see our brothers and sisters in Charleston, we see the hate. We see people gathered around a table praying and killed for what they believe and who they are and what color their skin is. The story of hope, that's why we're here. It reminds us that no matter what our lion's den or our fiery furnaces, we are subjected to God's grace. And it will heal and save and restore and redeem us too. And we will come out of our particular crisis, loss, sickness, struggle, not the way we plan, but the way it's supposed to be. And we can come out filled with hope, knowing that no matter what, we're not alone. Whatever the outcome, we have a trustworthy companion walking with us. See, God isn't going to keep you out of the lion's den, but he might make you a cat person. <laughs> Nobody laughed at the first service. I thought it was such a funny line. See, for certain when we come, when we enter our lion's den, God walks in with us. And we have choices in the matter. Our choices are we can fight the lions ourselves. We can go in and see how we do. And we're going to get eight, like Monty the monkey. Or we can faithfully trust that our God's going to get us through. 
We can struggle against those doors of the fiery furnace, or we can walk in confident that we're not walking in alone. Here's my advice. Nope. This isn't my advice. This is my hope for us today. Let's choose, let's dare to be like Daniel. Let's surrender to the fact that God loves us and wants what's best for us. Let's walk that road even though we don't know where that road is leading. Let us dare to put our lives into God's hands no matter what the circumstances and no matter what the outcome. Let us dare to have complete faith in God's love for us and bravely dare the lions. Bravely face the furnace. Complete faith in God's love for us and bravely, bravely dare the lions that are ever ready to rob us of our peace. I have faith. I have given up and surrendered to the fact that I am a child of God and He wants what's best for me. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you rain down grace upon us. You lead us beside those still waters and restore our souls. And God, we've spent so many hours in that valley of the shadow of death. We know what it feels like and what it looks like and what the smells are in that valley. We know what it's like to wake up in the night fearful, to chase sleep, but our minds screaming and running, worrying. Help us to know that your rod and your staff are there to comfort us. Help us to know that even in the darkest moments of our lives, we're not alone. Help us to be brave enough to live life on life's terms and to take whatever the world gives and trust in the fact that we don't belong to the world. We belong to you. And we know this because you became flesh and dwelt among us. We know this because you know what it's like to be sad and hungry and see your friends die. We know this because You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Lord, and it's His name that we pray. Amen.